Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tiny DevOps Podcast, uh, where we talk about DevOps uh, and all related topics for tiny companies. I'm your host, Jonathan Hall. Today, I have a special guest. Uh, I, I think, Adrian, you're the first uh, podcast listener I've had on the show as a guest. Oh. Uh, so, uh, congratulations, I guess. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have a trophy, but it, yeah, well, it, it's nice to, to have that. So, Adrian's been uh, listening to the show. I don't know how long, uh, but we got in contact uh, several weeks ago. Um, he told me he, he found me through the podcast. We had a nice conversation, and we've since connected on LinkedIn. And... Uh, he responded to one of my uh, my daily emails about um, about agile transformations. I think, and and I think I made the point that uh, if you want to do an agile transformation, the best way is to do something today to make your team more agile, and then do that again every day forever. <laughs> and he and he uh, responded to me and said that he had he he, he felt that that resonated with him, and he had some experiences he wanted to share uh, about when that did and maybe didn't work. But before we get into that, Adrian, why don't you talk to us a little bit about who you are, uh, what your experience is with DevOps, and, and then we'll get into the topic. So l let us know a little bit about yourself first. Okay, thank you very much. Um, and uh, first of all, thanks uh, to have the chance to be here. So um, I'm Adrian, as said before, and we are a system integrator um, based in Germany, a small company, and I'm one of the founders. And... Uh, we do integrations for web to print systems for customers, mostly in Germany, but uh, for companies uh, like like franchise companies, Europe-wide as well. And uh, we do it for nearly two, dec uh, two de uh, decades now. And um, we had a problem with, um, you know, that it worked, it worked pretty well the last 10 years. But um, I think since two or three years, we have bigger problems with all our monolithic systems we just uh, developed over many so many years now and uh, the biggest problems we faced is um, we actually weren't able to get any features out um, anymore so the time to market was was really bad and um, uh, we lost completely um, the overview of our systems and uh, for a small company like we are it's uh, it's quite a a huge problem if you um, if you stop to develop your 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 team and your 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 um, workflows to get better um, in what you do. So um, you mentioned DevOps, um, for example, this is something we haven't implemented at all, if if you like so. So we weren't aware of it. Of of course, we used some of those techniques, but um, we weren't aware of that DevOps is a is a topic for itself. So um, if you are not aware of that, you cannot develop on that. And um, without those things, we weren't able to uh, really think about, for example, CICD. Um, we just uh, used to um, use SVN, for example, for, for many years now. And uh, we just used deployment scripts to get our stuff to the um, customer. We had no tests in place. So actually, uh, you are the person who um, pushed me uh, towards um, test-driven development. I haven't uh, really utilized it beforehand and uh, my my colleagues um, didn't do it either. And um, so the problem we had actually was that 
every time we, we, we go for a new feature, um, wanted to deploy it, and uh, then, you know, something else broke in the system. Somewhere, even maybe not in the system, we, we were actually deployed it. So some, you know, we have um, multi-tenant systems, like um, we deployed it on one customer and the, 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 the sub-modules we, we used to implement, um, you know, broke in another system and we had no overview about that. And actually, uh, our, you know, our, our clients became QR testers for us and they, you know, found those bugs and this is a problem or actually is a big problem for a small company. So I think um, the reason why we stayed small is that we work that way. And since uh, two or three years, um, we tried to uh, work on that uh, pretty heavily. So um, we went away from systems or, or let's, let's say uh, programming languages like PHP and moved to more modern languages because we think um, this is the future. This is the future for small companies um, in particular. Um, I, can, I can talk about this a little later, why we do that. But um, overall, we try to rethink everything we do. So um, okay. DevOps is a is a is a foundation. We we really live that. So we understood that DevOps is not a type of you know engineering position in a company. So it's more a um, a cultural mindset. And um, it took a time that every of our developer our developers we have really um, you know. Um, Get to the point what DevOps really is, or what it meant to be, or why it's important to to, to think um, in that way. Um, operations wasn't a thing at all beforehand. We just had some IIS service where you know our stuff is, was deployed. We just pushed it on there and it was running. So operations was never a thing. We had a sysadmin, and this, that's all. You know, but now operations is a part of the development process, part of the development cycle. This is pretty important to uh, to be able. To deliver quality a quality product so we think in quality it, it, it sounds weird to a company for 20 years not working with quality products but um it's all it's all it's all come down to to to, to mindset problem and um we have some new um applications we made since then with new technologies with devops in mind with good ci cd in place even with uh, tdd we we started to to utilize it now and um, this is something uh, or we think we, 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 we created a foundation now where we can basically work um, work on in the future as well. So we are we are future proof of that. Um, the thing is, or, or what we want to talk about today is we have a lot of legacy stuff and this legacy or the, those legacy deployments are, are, you know, a problem for a small company to get away with. Um, or, you know, to, to try to get them to, a, to the next level or, you know, substitute them by a new system is always an, um, a matter of costs and effort. And um, you, 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 really, you really need to find a way as a small company to get to this point. And yes, we have a foundation now. We have the mindset. We have the culture to do this. But yeah, we're still standing in front of a, of a wall of work, you know, wall of effort. And um I consulted the client um, some weeks beforehand, and uh, the topic was to um, to get this mindset to his team as well. You know, to show them what's on the market, what what you can, what what can you do with modern technologies and modern ways to work like DevOps. 
or Agile or CI/CD on all those buzzwords. What 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 are the meaning of those? And uh, he told me to please think in baby steps because um, baby steps are um, something which a small company can work with. You know, it's like um, my my problem in the past was I all I was I was thinking about um, two large steps. You know, uh, we were a small company and tried to get a new system just. You know, to find a substitute for our old system, and um, this 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 client basically gave me um, gave me the idea how how we can work on our problem. So um, this was um, actually the start of um, of uh, our endeavor to um, get from our monolithic system to a more service orientated system, and uh, you know. Add some, uh, you know, additional services like microservices, micro frontends to the old system, to to get away from this this you know sluggish state of stagnation up to something where we can deliver again. You know, all the new little services we create now are already um, on the new foundation. They're completely orchestrated. They are they they are well tested. Um, you know, everything is um, in continuous deployment and. It's all in a foundation. What we try to accomplish with uh, this approach is to um, get rid of the old system step by step. So, for example, we we um, kept the old um, front end and uh, used micro uh, micro front end techniques um, to actually um, put in new front ends with, made with React, for example, with Next.js, and um, you know just displayed it in the into the old um, into the old version just to have um, new capabilities in place, uh, just to can basically accomplish what uh, the product uh, team is uh, requiring from us. And uh, what uh, the goal with this, for example, for, with the front-end part is to actually build as many micro front-ends as possible up to the day where we only have one front-end left. It's, it's, uh, this, those are the baby steps there. So we try to get one, um, one little part of the front end updated, you know, in, in, in a newer version while still keeping the old one. And uh, on some point, we actually have enough parts. We can just assemble that to a new front end and we can, you know, just shut down the old one and use the new one. And uh, the uh, the newer parts are all are connected by a general purpose API with new services we made. And we actually translate the old um, monolithic API into a newer API where those new frontends can communicate with the old parts and the new parts at the same time. So um, on the backend part, we do the same thing with baby steps. We erase, or no, not erasing, but substituting a um, uh, you know service by service. But uh, we we try to keep in mind that we we don't want to make a, this. This is maybe a misunderstanding. Uh, because um, lately we have a lot of conversations about what microservices are, microservices versus uh, monolithic. So I don't want to get too much into detail with that, but um, we try to stay with uh, three actually domain, so domains or domain boundaries. Yeah, we have the inspiration part, which are you know product details. You know, this is a shop system, by the way. Uh, we have basically a a part where the product uh, details are, where you know uh, you get. Yeah, some advertisement. You just get uh, you know, an appetizer to to buy the, the the current product. Then we have the shop part itself, like the shopping cart and the payment stuff. And we have a fulfillment um, 
domain where actually this is not really a part of the shop itself. It's what's happened um, after the shop. So we have a web wrap to print system. There needs to be some there, there you know, the, the, those um, products need to be created as, for example, PDF files and sent to a print house, for example. So um, those are the three domains we, we think in. And um, we have actually services for all those three, three domains, but we don't want to overextend it to have, for example, like 100, uh, hundreds of microservices in place. This is not our goal. So um, actually, sometimes we think about if what we do is it's really a microservice or what we create is really microservices because uh, um, our microservices are quite huge. <laughs> Maybe there are more services, but um, the idea is the same. They are isolated and at work, but they have, um, you know, we are a small team. We cannot afford to have too many of them at the same time. But right. the, but the idea is the same. You have separation of concerns. You try to decouple everything and uh, be able to. Uh, or actually, we want we never want to get back into this stagnation state of having uh, a, a, a application where we cannot um, you know plan and do anything anymore, mm -hmm. or have the fear that something break if you deploy it. Um, you know this is this is what what our our goal is. So um, we do this or this pattern with uh, every application we have currently. Um, mm -hmm. And it works out quite well for a small team. So uh, many want us to, to not do this with a small team, you know, just go with another solution, just build it um, somewhere else. Spe specifically to not do microservices yeah. or to not do the, the piece by piece replacement? And not, not, not to go to microservices, for example. Okay. This, um, yeah. this is a thing where many, you know, we often heard about, you know, the warnings uh, not use microservices in small teams. Just you need 50 developers for, for at least uh, one service and stuff. It's, I, I think it's, it's, it's just not really right at this point. Um, you can use microservices, but you need to be very specific with, uh, with your domains, with your boundaries, with your context. And, you know, you need to plan before you start to develop those. But uh, once they are in place, for example, we use Docker Swarm as an orchestrator. We are not in the cloud with it at, uh, at the moment. So um, we, we plan to do this. This is a, one of our next steps. We still use it um, on our local server, no, not local service, but it's a, it's a data center. And um, mm -hmm. we try to, um, you know, we try to accomplish that um, operations is not overwhelming us. So um, this this was our, one of our goals. So we said um, operations is something we need to do within our team, but it should not be a complete position. So like, let's say we don't need a specific um, dedicated person who's doing operations all day long. We are just a mm -hmm. too small company for that. And um, with that in mind, we, we, um, use, uh, we, we decided to go with Docker Docker Swarm, and um, actually we composed an application um, which is with together with um, co uh, continuous deployment. Um, it was possible to you know just have no big interference between those services. So you you know you just made an update and basically everything works out. So I never understood where this big problem with microservice really were. So it's I think it's <laughs> it's when you, when you when you think about or plan beforehand you will not have too many problems with microservices. So I just want to point it out at, at, this, this, um, at this time. Nice. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how you came to the idea 
you, you described your the way you started to have a view into the old application and you're piece by piece replacing that with a new one. Uh, it, it reminds me, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but it reminds me of the strangler fig pattern that uh, I, I think it was Martin Fowler who uh, first used the term, but uh, it's it's caught on since then. And and uh, the idea, I don't know if you've heard of this, the strangler fig tree. Of course, I didn't know about it until I read his description of it. But it's this tree that like uh, starts to encompass another tree. And over time, it, it grows around it and eventually kills the old the other tree around it, completely kills it. And, and it's sort of a, I don't know if it's a, actually a parasite, but it, it certainly um, envelops and kills this other tree. And he, he liked to use this as a metaphor for, for application replacement rather than re build a whole new application mm. and then do this big bang switch where you throw the old one away and start the new one. You, you like just do a little bit at a time replace the old application with a new one in place and then eventually the old application is gone it sounds like that's kind of what you're describing would you agree i definitely agree but i have to say i've i heard of this term but i you know never got deeper into this one but yes mm -hmm. it is actually what we we try to accomplish so you know um going in baby steps this is what we, what our term is you know going in baby steps to migrate into some new architecture and yeah until the point where you know everything is migrated and we can shut down everything else but um, on the way it's, it's not it's not like a big um, big switch on 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 a single day it just means that um you know if you have if you are done with substituting one part the old part is is, is gone and the new part is online so it, this is the the reason why we use those um those macro architectures where you have, um, you know, many small parts and, you know, you just need to orchestrate those small parts, development, develop on those small parts. And on some point you get to a new solution. This is what our goal is in the end. Um, Let, let's talk a little bit more in detail about the technology of your old solution that you're replacing. Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned PHP. Maybe you want to go into a little detail. What does that old system look like that you're trying to replace? Oh, it's, it's a bad one. <laughs> it's, it's real bad one. Um, yeah, um, you know we use PageFlex. Um, PageFlex is not the bad part of it. It's, it's a rendering um, engine um, we used to use uh, for for many years, and it brings a a, um, a, a storefront with it. It's a it's a um, ASP.NET application. Uh, you need to install it on Windows servers and stuff like that. And uh, mm -hmm. we use this. Um, solution for many customers and for ourselves in the past and on some point we just figured out that um, it's not possible to fulfill any requirements with this software um, we had to this time from our clients so we needed to invent something um, on top of this um, of the, the system um, to fulfill the demands and um, yeah, we actually created something with PHP, put it on top of this application into the IIS um, server as well. So we, so we ran um, actually uh, C Sharp and PHP at the same time um, mm -hmm. on a web server. I think this is one of the web servers, uh, you know, IIS who, who can handle this, but it was never a great solution. It was maybe a good idea to that time, but you know, with, with um, the view of today, it was an awful decision of, of myself, maybe. But uh, yeah, this this is actually what we do. We have uh, we work in PHP um, to avoid changes in the underlying system, which is made in uh, 
in in C in C sharp, you know. So we have yeah. basically a core which we can just update when the um, when the when there's when the new new update is out, and uh, we just uh, build our framework on top of that. But this framework is discontinued, so um, we do we do not um, develop on this framework for for some years now. It's just we use it as or we maintain it as a legacy framework. So we mm-hmm. everything we do now is is made in, in Next.js React in front end and Next.js in in the backend terms. And so we are basically a TypeScript company, if you like. Okay, so uh, I'm in, I'm interested to understand the timeline. When did you decide that it was time to replace the old application? How long ago did that happen? Actually, um, we thought about you know four, three or four years now um, that we that we should do something because uh, we had several uh, issues with uh, security. We had problems with um, with our front end. We we still use prototype JS. Maybe someone is. Uh, is aware of that very old framework. It's it's actually the framework before jQuery, and um, okay. you know it's it's um, yeah, this is a real legacy framework. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know we need to get rid of those frameworks because we we were a little afraid of those browser changes. What what actually Chromium browsers, um, you know, um, did or you know they they restricted some some parts of that, and we we you know we needed to to figure figure out ways to keep those old frameworks compatible with uh, modern browsers and stuff like that. And this was the point where we said, okay, we need to do something. And on the backend side, there were similar problems, like uh, we weren't able to do updates anymore on the on the core system, PageFlex, as we said before. And mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, there came new Windows Server versions out, new um, PHP versions, and PHP wasn't available. Uh, PHP eight, for example, wasn't available for Windows at the, at that time, and I don't know if it's today. So um, all those uh, led to the decision we should make something. But um, in two thousand and twenty, we had a, um, a actually a, a security incident where um, mm. we actually yeah where you know. We got hacked, and yeah. um, this was the you know we 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 rolled back everything and uh, everything was fine afterwards. Again, after some weeks, we were back on track. But uh, this was the point where we said no, we need to go away from this. But um, then we uh, thought about maybe six months how to get to the point uh, where we have a new application and the old stuff is gone. And this was basically the the big problem I I, I talked in the very beginning of the show. Um, mm-hmm. It's the effort. It's um, you know small team with um, between four to five developers. How do you you know uh, migrate something which you you know worked for for years on it to, to create it? It's not just uh, you know get some you know get some funding and, and do it on uh, next to another application. It's, you know it's yeah. it's not possible. And right. um, you know the clients um, accept or, or expect at this point that. Um, uh, they, they they pay they pay for services and they they expect those services run, and they don't want mm-hmm. to pay the second time um, to get those services um, you know running securely and well and performant and performance was another reason so we we did everything we could we we can to 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 get some performance out of our old system it was very very slow so uh, mm-hmm. you know um, um, like the web vitals were you know. In, in, in a 
deep red um, um, area. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we used systems like uh, Nginx with caching, like Nginx plus um, system to get some, some caching onto our system. And it works out, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. It was okay then, but it wasn't great. So everything we tried to do is, um, was actually, you know, not satisfying for the clients, not sat satisfying for the developers. We had, we had some kind of developer fatigue, you know, uh, the de it was, uh, like, um, a developer always want to have some kind of, um, a perspective in his life. And, uh, if he starts to work for too long on a legacy system, which is, you know, a unique system no one else on the world wants to have anymore so you know it's 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 nothing um worth to stay for a developer in the, in the company so it, it doesn't matter in which direction you, you you took a look um we needed to get away from that state we were in and um, mm -hmm. this was maybe the the answer for your question i think yeah so but before so you started doing the 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 new version of the application it sounds like in 2020 so uh, yeah. a year and a half, maybe two years ago, something like that. Uh, what percentage have you completed? Uh, what what percentage is now the re-implementation versus the old? Okay. Um, I would say um, in two or three months, we should be done with the complete front-end part. Um, okay. Then we will decide if we go straight to the back-end side and say, okay, now we focus on the back-end side to get it um, up and running into a new architecture as well. But um, we are still not uh, sure um, if we should implement more SaaS applications into our system mm -hmm. or, you know, build everything on our own. So um, while we developed the back-end side, we thought about, um, you know, implementing stuff like Odoo or other services were actually just ready to go instead of creating everything for our own. So the make or buy decisions um, were made, or actually yeah. we are considering what we do there. And yeah. um, we we want to finalize the decision when we have, uh, when we are done with the front end part. Um, this, yeah. is, okay. this is the thing. So um, the idea of our API is that a, our API is translating definitely um, um, what what our legacy system is doing. So um, it's basically, no matter what comes in the future, this API will translate other services like SaaS services as well. So um, we are, I think, good to go and future proof with that pattern for a small company there. That's really good. That's an encouraging story. It sounds like you were in a in a. Uh, I don't want to say disaster because you you were serving clients and you were you were meeting business needs, but it was it was difficult. Uh, two years ago, uh, and maybe the security incident counts as a disaster. Uh, and and now you're you're it sounds like you're three months away from being in a much better place. I'm I'm curious if you can put some numbers on that. Like before the security incident, you mentioned uh, the time to market was slow. <laughs> How long would it take you to get a, a feature change or even a bug fix from conception into production? How long did that take before, and what does it look like now? Um. My partner um, always complained that uh, the IT is not delivering uh, fast enough. For example, we had a, a feature where we um, shall um, connect to a um, service of, um, of a real estate um, service uh, supplier. And um, we suppose that um, this would be an overall effort for about three weeks. And it took 18 months 
to um, accomplish. <laughs> um, the the problem was um, it was not the thing is um, we were it, it's not it is not a, the fault of a single application. The problem is we are a small team and we need to work on many applications with many problems. And you jump from one problem to another, and everything you know it's 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 just not working out everywhere. And mm-hmm. um, when you are in such a it, it's a downward you know a downward spiral, and uh, it's you, you will never get to the point when you that you've just finished one single feature. You know it's it's just not mm-hmm. possible. And um, this feature I mentioned isn't really ready today. It still have it issues and it's at bucks and it's not working 100% but um, you know we are on the way to finish that one but um, soon we need to replace it by uh, the new version anyway so we can throw it away <laughs> and so it's just, um, yeah it's, it's, it, it took us a long time to, to do this and um, same happened to other features as well so many features we just you know we just never put it out of the backlog so it never get on Onto any sprint, we 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 we, were, we haven't thought in sprints anyway. So uh, we tried mm-hmm. often to you know implement the thinking of um, of sprints. You know, say um, we we do this this week and the next week we we do in this. Um, but you know it it wasn't working. Um, mm-hmm. It's um, we had so many problems built in into our system, into our culture, into our workflows that actually nothing was possible anymore you know our performance was mm-hmm. near to zero so uh, we tried to to you know um, some client projects um, where we where we knew okay we can we can finish them um, we focused on those things but you know the really important stuff which you know would bring us uh, to some point where we actually um, yeah were we able to grow we weren't we were never able to you know get to this point or fulfill or actually accomplish those tasks. It's just what wasn't possible. Yeah. Before you started the, the new service rewrite, how long did it take you to deploy a change? Suppose, mm. suppose you just wanted to fix a typo somewhere, something really simple. So it didn't take a lot of development effort, but you just, you, you got it done. How long would it take to deploy? Several days, I would say, because, um, okay. The problem was that um, we used some kind of uh, submodules between uh, SVN submodules between those systems, and um, since we had no test-driven development in place, we had no tests overall in place. We had basically none, and uh, you know we had staging, but we had staging systems. So basically, every developer tested by himself, if we were lucky, on on the staging system, and um, maybe they, you know, by checking the application, the whole application, maybe they found an error or not. And um, um, from this point, uh, you know, the problem was that no one was sure about what they deploy there. So um, the reason for, for, for those delays were not the technical part. It was just we were not sure if we were able to deploy those changes. So, um, you know, we waited for some somebody else to take a, to, to take um, to take a look um, and and test uh, the 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 upcoming features, but um, yeah, it took time and some some yeah you know if if you do this many times in parallel, the problem is that um, you 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 get you create a pile of unfinished stuff, and mm-hmm. when you have this pile, for example, you have five changes and no one you know 
no one is really sure about um, what happens when you when you deploy those five changes then um yeah you tend to not do this and and how long does it take today to do uh, a deployment uh if you have a small typo fix how long does it take actually um we push it and it's um, some minutes later on the system that's a huge improvement then isn't yeah. it but uh, i have from, to from... admit um it's really only the very new services we created mm -hmm. sure. very new sure. front ends we create it's just, it is just a very small part of our um, main system so the most of okay. the stuff is still in a problematic state we have not implemented TDD in any way for our old system. We, we, we had to. We have to admit that this is still a problem. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah. That's that's that, that's understandable and expected. I mean, you, you, you. It's it's incredibly difficult. It's not impossible, but it's a big effort to start doing TDD on a on a project that doesn't already have nearly complete test coverage because your code is generally not testable, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, you have code, and I mean, the way I learned TDD was by uh, writing. Uh, I, I learned it for bug fixing before I learned it for writing new features. So I would I would discover a bug, and I would try to write a test to prove that the bug existed, and then I would try to fix the bug. And that's really hard on a system that doesn't have tests because you you end up writing end to end tests to to, to prove yeah. that your bug exists because you don't you you don't have the granularity. Your code isn't modular enough to write those tests. So I. You're forgiven, in my opinion, for not uh, retrofitting your old code with tests like that, because yeah. it's 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 a huge effort, and it's also dangerous because you because you don't have tests yet on that code. Modifying it to be testable is likely and almost certain to add bugs that you don't detect with your tests. Yeah. So, I, I I I don't blame you for not doing that. <laughs> Actually, we um. um... I, I forgot we have uh, some end-to-end -end tests in place, but this is more like a log into that system and check if uh, some on the main uh, main homepage or the initial page is, is uh, you know, where you can make some kind of assert for a ID for a HTML element. And that's all, this is, this is all we test, but uh, you know, those tests basically never fail. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we could, we could shut them down and would we have no effect on on a deployment yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, I, I've I'm encouraged to hear that the, the progress you've made. Um, I, I hope it's a good story. I mean, I, I think you come from a, a situation that's so typical. I mean, it's it's everything you were describing about the 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 chaos of the old system. I have lived through that before on old systems, so I, I completely identify with what you're saying. I imagine many many listeners are in the same situation, or at least have been in the past. Uh, so it's really encouraging for me to hear that over the course of roughly two years, you've been able to make uh, significant progress in in improving your system with baby steps. Uh, and that, that's really the only way you can do it. Because if you try to do it all at once, I don't care if you're talking about doing a full rewrite all at once or adopting all agile practices, whatever that would even mean, all at once, you can't do it. It's impossible. It's, it's overwhelming. Uh, so it's emotionally and mentally impossible. And it's just probably physically impossible. So uh, I, I really appreciate your story, and I and I sympathize with the the pain you've been going through. Pain, but pain, it, pain it, is good. Yeah, no, pain <laughs> is not good, but um, pain is a good word for it. So actually, yeah. we had a lot of pain points, and um, you know there there were months which were just horrible, horrible yeah. times. And um, I only can recommend 
to not fall into the trap um, of not think about the fundamentals like DevOps, like TDD, like CI/CD. You need to have those, especially corporate, uh, not corporate, sorry, continuous deployment. You really need to have mm -hmm. that in place before anything else. So um, yeah. you, you can, you know, don't be too um, too cautious with um, with your deployment because um, what what we found out is um, the more you know the slower we go the, the 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 more cautious we go the more problems we have um, in the in the mm -hmm. end it's just uh, just this just, just um, this is just a thing of uh, maturity this is a you know how ma how mature are you working on on your on your systems um, right. this is this is what what we found out what what we took away um, from our learning and when we met you or when I met you this is this is um, you know you you just um, you just gave us the last um, you know the last kick to really go into the direction so I have to thank you for that it was well, um, I'm glad I could be of, of help it, yeah it was it was a, a good meeting we had um, some weeks or maybe a month ago I don't know it yeah. was it was a time ago now but um, it really helped us um, to make those last important steps to really round up everything yeah that's good do you, do you have the ability still to do your own manual testing do you have uh staging environments for the new system as well or or is that are you relying only on on automated testing we don't have a staging system anymore for the newer systems okay. um, we have some kind of um, um development version of it mm -hmm. But it's not mm -hmm. meant to be shown to the customer or client oh, or sure. someone else anymore. It's just for development purposes. For example, okay. to have some um, extended testing with uh, several services together. Oh, and yeah. for this, it, it's okay. So, uh, but it's it's not meant to be the uh, traditional staging system anymore, where you know everything mm -hmm. is uh, you know parked until someone is testing it. So it doesn't. Right. We doesn't do this anymore. But you, it sounds like your developers do have the ability to test their code uh, in a live sort of scenario before they deploy it if they yeah, want to. Yeah, with real data, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. That's that's one of the things that I always uh, encourage, especially small teams to do who, are, who aren't doing continuous deployment yet, is to, to set up an environment exactly as you've described so that they can do this testing uh, before you, they hit that merge button in GitHub or, or whichever tool they're using. Uh, and and that allows you to then automate uh, from the time you hit merge, you can automate the deployment from there, which it sounds like you're already doing, which which is just amazing. Um, you can still, I mean, the, the pushback I usually get is teams that are accustomed to pushing to staging and then a QA team uh, or a QA person, or maybe it's a developer, but the, it, there's a manual QA process. Uh, and then they, they remerge into... To, to production or something like mm. that. These teams are usually using Gitflow or something like that. And we haven't talked about your branching strategy. I don't know if you're using Gitflow or not. Mm. Um, but what, what I usually encourage these teams to do is, is just push that manual testing stage before they hit the merge button. And, and then everything from merge forward is automated. And I, I, I call it lean CD. That's not really a good term because it's not from the lean manufacturing. It's more the lean startup idea of, of a minimum viable CD sort of thing. Um, but this, this is the approach I like to, to, to do. I've done it at several companies. Uh, and it, and it, uh, I, I don't know uh, if 
if you think you're doing the same thing, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is, I agree with you with what you're saying that uh, that s- continuous delivery and deployment is is so important, and you can't allow yourself to be driven by fear. What you're describing to me sounds like the uh, the old advice to optimize for your mean time to recovery (MTTR) rather than your mean time between failure or MTBF. And fear causes us to optimize for the time between failure. Basically, we do everything we can to make sure nothing ever fails, but we can't do it. We uh, humans always fail, mm-hmm. <laughs> and nothing we and even when humans don't fail, the technology fails. A hard drive crashes, or something else goes wrong. Amazon goes down for a day. Whatever things will fail. So if we optimize, if we try to optimize for mean time between failure, in other words, we try to prevent failures from occurring, we will never succeed. But if we if we optimize instead for fast recovery, then we're prepared when these yeah. inevitable failures do occur. And so, and and you have you understand this difference in mindset, which is so important uh, that that being afraid to deploy something is the enemy of of responding quickly when something fails. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really encouraged to hear you say this. I hope that every listener listening today, if you're afraid of deploying because you think things will break, I understand it's natural, but we need to find a way for you to not be afraid to deploy and instead rely on the fact that you can fix a failure quickly when it happens. This is a good point. And um, I think... Uh, before, when when you haven't or have never done it before, um, you will never realize it. So, you know, it's 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 some something you cannot do a theory about this on. You know, and say, mm-hmm. okay, I, I have understand this and everything is good now. So you just need to have confidence um, after you integrated that, and and you will have it actually. In my opinion, you will have it. We, for example, we use um, Docker Swarm, so no Kubernetes for um, small team like mm-hmm. us. But uh, we can just switch between the image versions um, uh, by a click. So if something happens, um, you know, after um, an automatic uh, continuous deployment process, uh, you know, we just roll back and all, all is fine. We, we, we don't even need to push it. We just can go into the orchestrator and say, just, you know, roll it back and all, all is good again. Hopefully. Yeah. Sometimes it's not, but... Um, if you have all this in mind while you're developing your 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 stuff, then um, you will not yes. develop software which is you know likely to fail that easy. You know you will you will right. think different if you if you stop thinking in um, uh, in you know month of development for for a up a, a single update, then you will have a different mindset while developing features. You know features become pretty pretty small then. You know. A, a single feature can be just another color of a button. Yes. It, it is not like yes. a complete system update where everything changes. No one knows what happens. It's just the smallest tiny bit you can define is what you actually should, you know, try to get to, to this point. Exactly. And this is the point where a developer is able to determine if his code or actually his feature is tested or not, or it's actually fit the requirement or not. Um, because mm-hmm. the, 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 the briefing for a single, you know, single uh, piece is um, small. You, you just have maybe one or two sentences. It, it shouldn't be more. So everyone can say, okay, this, this is now fitting the requirement. 
And but if if you need, if you need a, a small book before you make a feature, then you know you can't test it. You need a QA person <laughs> for this. But um, right. as a small company, we we don't want to afford it. You know, dedicated QA person. So um, right. this is the best way we can. Well, the best we had we we could have done to get to this point. Yeah. Right. I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. Uh, Adrian, do you have any recommendations? If, if anybody's going through the same sort of struggle that you were in the past, do you have recommended reading or a, a favorite conference talk or anything that you could recommend for people who want to learn more ab about how to get into the this mindset that you, you went through? Um, there are books. Maybe you can link those in the show notes um, sure, about uh, micro frontends. Um, okay. I think micro frontends will open your eyes. Microservices are good as well, but micro frontends are, you know, more like a visual thing you can understand um, to to know what happens then. Uh, so this is about the architecture. And um, to be honest, I, I just read a lot of blogs. I just listen to many podcasts. This is what I do mm -hmm. to get to the point. And your podcast, for example, is a good uh, good thing for for um, um, for. Uh, for getting into development operations and um, agile thinking and stuff like that. Uh, this, this is very important. But um, I think it's it's not, at least in my opinion, it's not about one book or one, you know, one thing and suddenly you understand everything. You need to, you know, you need to believe that you can do it first and then try to get better every day. You know, yeah. you always should think, what can you do today what makes it better than it was tomorrow. And when you have this mindset, everything else comes by itself. This is That's my good. opinion, you know, have a goal and then work towards this. Adrian, if people are interested in, in reaching out to you, are, are you available for uh, contact on social media or anywhere else? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn or uh, just go to my name, Adrian Starnik, uh, dot dev, and you will, find, okay. you will find my blog there. So you can contact me there if you like. Wonderful. And, and tell us the name of your uh, your business also. Uh, and we talked all about it. I don't know if you told us the name at the beginning. Oh. If if anybody's interested in web to print, if they have if they would like your services, how can they find your your business? It's bitsinmotion.de. Um, okay. Like uh, the bits in motion. Yes, yeah, just one word. Dot de. Uh, we haven't a very big web presence. I have to admit. Um, okay. So don't wonder. It's it's completely okay. But we are there. We are still existing, and we are. Yeah, alive and kicking. So just uh, feel okay. free to contact us. Just contact me on LinkedIn. This is the yeah, easiest it's way the to best. get to Okay. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes, everybody. Adrian, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, actually, I think we covered it. Um, okay. You know, just, uh, you know, get to the point um, to be able to move. This is, I think, the best message I can give. And um, DevOps, CICD, Agile thinking, those things should be implemented um into your into your mindset into your culture before you start to go to any endeavor in the software de development today yeah i agree you heard it from the man thanks for attending thanks for joining me today adrian i hope to see you all next time on tiny devops thank you very much